Happy Wednesday afternoon, 3.36 is the time. Thanks for tuning in here to NL Newsday. Yesterday, it was a Kamloops City Council day, and as usual, after a council meeting, I am pleased to welcome to the program now the mayor of Kamloops, Mr. Ken Christian. Mr. Mayor, how you doing here on this Wednesday? Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask about yesterday, I understand Council formally approved the 2021 budget at yesterday's meeting. So taxpayers now in line for a 0.93% tax increase this year. Um, I know we've talked about it before, but just how happy are you to see that tax increase come in below 1%? And now that it's you know official, uh, just what's your message to taxpayers? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm uh, quite uh, pleased with the uh, tax uh, situation this year. I mean, uh, under one percent is really un- unprecedented, and council made a conscious decision to, uh, you know, uh, use some of the COVID relief funding to uh, offset uh, some of the costs, and and we had certainly increased costs just like every other business did, but also we had reduced revenues, things like our transit fares and our parking and our rentals were down. So uh, as a result, we were in a deficit position and uh, we chose to use uh, some of that money directly to offset that so that uh, taxpayers in this city could have a bit of a break. So, uh, you know, that won't happen next year. We'll probably be back in and around the uh, 2, 2.5%. Uh, but uh, for this year, uh, while people are struggling to meet some of the financial crisis uh, that has been part and parcel of this pandemic, uh, this gives them a bit of uh, short-term relief anyway. Yeah, I, I think so. I, like, less than $21, I believe, for the average homeowner is what's kind of the projected increase. So I think that's reasonable for uh, this year in this pandemic we're dealing with. Um, grant funding, I understand the city going to be applying here for up to $2.5 million worth of provincial grant funds that could help with a number of things. Um, installing Portland loos or just a, a fancy porta potty essentially is what those are. Um, higher outreach workers and two more community service officers. Um, it also looked at a lighted pathway between supportive housing on Mission Flats Road and the city center. I mean, how important is it for the city to be applying for these dollars and, and you know, what, um, what I guess stands out to you out of those four things I listed there, what's sort of the one that you think is kind of most important for the city to start um, putting in place? Is it those public washrooms to be able to provide some dignity to the, 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 the housing challenged or what, what sort of is the, the priority, I guess, for you there? Yeah, you know, it was a wide-ranging discussion yesterday at Council. Uh, I think all of the projects are important, and we've had, uh, uh, you know, no less than uh, probably six hours of debate about, uh, you know, what needs to be uh, put in place to help the uh, plight of those that are street-affected in Kamloops. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, things on the wish list. Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of uh, security on the streets, the increased presence, of uh, security officers, uh, particularly on a 24-7 basis, is very important. Uh, but really, the outreach workers that are going to have lived experience and are going to be able to show some of these uh, individuals a pathway to better health and, and uh, that uh, can be free from addiction and, and uh, control of uh, chronic mental illness, I think is really the one that
that will actually make a long-term difference. So uh, council was, uh, you know, I think uh, unanimous in their uh, desire to apply for the grant where there was some difference of opinion was in and around those projects that would have a legacy impact on taxation in subsequent years. It's all well and good to get a $2.5 million grant this year, but if uh, it's not there next year and you still have those uh, positions in place, then you either have to uh, uh, get rid of those uh, contracts or those employees and, and reduce those services. So uh, we were wanting to be cautious, I think, uh, in terms of uh, you know protecting uh, our financial position going into 2022. But uh, these are things that really are, are needed in the community. Uh, the public washroom piece, uh, whether or not those are standalone public washrooms or whether they're incorporated in some of the supportive housing uh, facilities that we have uh, in the community. Uh, either way, it needs to be done because we're certainly getting uh, a large number of complaints from businesses and from the public uh, about people uh, indiscriminately uh, using uh, anywhere as a washroom uh, and also for the, the dignity of those individuals that find themselves in that position. So there's a balance there and, and uh, we want to uh, you know be able to fulfill that need. The the difficulty that you have is that these uh, facilities are inordinately expensive, uh, and they're expensive because they have to be virtually indestructible. And uh, you know, so the the uh, cost of uh, the unit itself is uh, well over a hundred thousand dollars. And then the issue related to servicing it, getting water and sewer and electricity to a site where you want to have these, be it at a say at a transit exchange or something like that. Those are not places where we generally have of underground utilities. So that's an expensive component of it. And then the last component is the regular uh, maintenance and and uh, certainly supervision of these facilities because you can't leave them alone. You really have to have them uh, monitored to some degree because there's a, a great deal of clandestine activity that can go on in them. So, you know, that's uh, an important part, too. So th this is an expensive undertaking, but uh, I, I think one that, on balance, uh, we need to uh, approach and we need partners to help us. Now, expecting to hear back on that grant request by uh, the middle of next month, so about a month from now, if if successful, I guess, is council mandated to move ahead with all of these projects, or how does that work? Do you, like, do you have to go ahead with everything that's in that application, or can you kind of pick and choose based on the actual costs that come with it? How does that work? No, we were selective in terms of the projects that we put forward. Uh, like I said, we've had a lot of debate about a, a whole myriad of services that we would like to see. Uh, so we just uh, prioritized those uh, asks that would be consistent with the okay. uh, parameters for that grant. And, and so that's what that list is. If we get less than the two point five million, then we will do less of that list. Uh, and, uh, you know, we will just proceed to okay. try to find other sources of funding. Yeah, no, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, shifting gears here a little bit, uh, patios, we've talked uh, at nauseum, I feel, about outdoor patios, but Council did add some more money into the patio program yesterday um, because of the demand, right? We're just seeing more and more restaurants wanting to be a part of this program, wanting to have uh, a patio on the sidewalk and be able to extend the, the walkway so that they can uh, accommodate people actually using the, the sidewalks themselves. Um, just 
the success of this program, I mean, is it surprising at all to you that we're seeing so many interested parties apply to be a part of this? I mean, it's really good news as we go through COVID-19 that this is available, um, but we're just seeing that demand increase year over year here after the pilot last year and now moving ahead into year two. I mean, people are clearly seeing this as an added value. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Councillor O'Reilly summarized it uh, best yesterday during the discussion. And, uh, you know, he said this was something that was a, a long time coming and it took a pandemic to, to kind of push us across the finish line. But we've been talking about uh, pedestrian spaces and activating our streets for a long time. And we had ideas about, uh, you know, a pedestrian mall, uh, closing Victoria Street, uh, extending the patio program and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, we are challenged by weather and snow removal and, and those kinds of issues, but uh, the pandemic uh, forced us to uh, do that in the downtown area on the, on the Tronquille Corridor, and it's been uh, enormously successful, and I think this week's weather is going to even make it better uh, utilized. So, uh, you know, this is a, a situation where we uh, had put uh, in a couple of hundred thousand dollars out of the COVID relief money, and it looks like, uh, based on staff estimates, they need an, about another 100000 So uh, we will complete these projects uh, this year and, and then remove them and then evaluate how that's been. And I suspect that we'll have some form of a patio program going forward uh, uh, forever. And I think that's a good thing. I think uh, it makes our streets more cosmopolitan. Its outdoor dining option is something that people actually uh, prefer now. And, and I think that we need to be there. And I think uh, the restaurant uh, and uh, uh, food service industry has really stepped up and they've made these uh, very viable uh, opportunities for, for their businesses. Yeah, I expect those patios to be bursting at the seams with people wanting to get in here as that weather warms up and the sun comes out this weekend for sure. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about casinos here briefly because I understand um, an email was sent to Premier Horgan asking for clarity on the situation for BC casinos. That happened on March the 4th. That letter was written by uh, the mayor for the city of Langley and was endorsed by a dozen other BC mayors. I understand, Ken, that you were one of those other signatures on that. Um, just curious to get your thoughts on casinos. Do you feel like they they could reopen safely. I know, like, obviously now is probably not the time as we're through this next round of restrictions, but um, do you believe that they could find a way to safely open up once this, this current circuit breaker round of restrictions, as they're called, uh, is lifted? <laughs> Yeah, you know, as we uh, get out of the uh, third wave, uh, I would hope that the province would uh, look to the uh, casinos. They have a, a very robust uh, return to work safely uh, plan as required by WorkSafe BC. Uh, and uh, I believe that the employment uh, opportunity uh, and the taxation in terms of gaming funds uh, would be uh, good for the cities involved. So uh, I was happy to sign that uh, on behalf of the two casinos that we have in Kamloops. But as you point out, now is not the time. Uh, and I think uh, as long as this is on uh, Dr. Henry's radar in terms of, uh, you know, the reopening of the economy, uh, that will be good enough. And, and uh, hopefully we'll be back in business and those employees will be back to work soon. And how significant are the losses that the city is seeing just by not having that uh, that that gaming sharing revenue that comes from from having two casinos in the city? 
It's about uh, $2 million a year, and uh, that's money that uh, we use, uh, you know, for gaming grants, and that supports a whole host of uh, other smaller entities in sports and arts and culture in the community. So uh, that's an important part of, uh, of the fabric of Kamloops, and, and we want to be back in that business uh, as soon as we can. Last thing here for you, Ken, but uh, today does mark the five-year anniversary of the declaration of the opioid crisis as a public health emergency in British Columbia. Uh, more than 200 people in Kamloops have lost their lives due to a suspected overdose over those five years. I mean, you've been a member of council since uh, this declaration was made, obviously prior to that as well. But did you imagine when this declaration was first put out there that we'd actually be in a, a worse off position five years down the road? I know the COVID-19 pandemic has made things worse, but... Um, still, I, you would have hoped that we would see some more improvements, I guess, at, at a five-year time period. Yeah, you know, I was reflecting uh, this morning on uh, Dr. Kendall, the former provincial health officer, and, and when he and, and uh, then Minister of Health Terry Lake uh, uh, made the declaration uh, of a public health emergency, you know, I, I felt then and I do now that that was a bold step, and I think that it was a step that put uh, British Columbia on a path to recovery. And uh, if you track uh, the fatalities, uh, you know, from uh, 2016, uh, we were doing pretty good by the time we got to 2019 and in making a difference but uh, what happened in 2020 was uh, just deplorable and uh, you know the pandemic has just uh, undone all of that progress that we have made and uh, it's just absolutely tragic think about uh, any other thing in Kamloops that would take 216 lives and uh, you know this just seems to drone on and uh, it something that we need to uh, do more uh, in terms of uh, looking at a uh, safe drug supply, uh, decriminalizing uh, personal possession of uh, opioids uh, for personal use. Uh, you know, this is uh, not a crime. This is an addiction and this is a health uh, condition. And so uh, the sooner we start treating it as that, uh, the faster we'll be able to recover from this. And, uh, you know, people uh, are always quick to generalize uh, who might be affected most by this. But I think the memorial today will uh, show us and remind us that it's uh, all across our society uh, and uh, that we really need as a community to step up and address this challenge. Perfect way, way to, to end things off and a nice way to reflect on this anniversary. Thank you so much, Ken. Always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Thank you very much, Jeff. Awesome stuff. Uh, Mayor of Kamloops there, Ken Christian. And, yeah, you heard him mention there at the tail end the, the memorial, the display that was on in Riverside Park today. and. Yeah, uh, definitely, you know, you take a look at it and you realize people do come from all walks of life that do end up uh, in that path towards addiction. It's uh, it's not immune. No one's immune to that kind of a thing. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to talk about. And an anniversary like today, five years since that declaration was made by the province in terms of a public health emergency, it's a perfect time to be reflecting. And, and like Ken said, I mean, anytime you... You talk about more than 200 lives lost. If this was any other thing that uh, was causing these deaths, how much more quickly do you think we would see more significant action being taken? You got to wonder. 
just where this is on the priority list. I know it's a priority for a province, and that's why they sent uh, set up the uh, separate portfolio, right, of mental health and addictions ministry. Uh, but we know the opposition constantly complains that that is an underfunded ministry and doesn't have enough resources to be able to try and tackle a problem like this. Well, then the NDP comes back and says it's working in conjunction with things like the Ministry of Health, like, um, 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 you know, Ministry of Intergovernmental Affairs, all these kinds of things that uh, are sort of working together on this issue. But I think it might be better if one direct portfolio was working specifically on that. I mean, when you talk about health, they got a whole bunch of other stuff going on right now. We're talking about vaccine rollouts. We're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, dealing with everything that comes along with that. Um, it, it's hard to try to focus on two things at once. So I, I, I would like to see more being done in a direct impact when it comes to, to the addiction side of things. Um, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to more people being at that table. We know the province today has renewed that call to Ottawa to see the decriminalization of a small amount of drugs for personal use. I don't know why that is being ignored. It feels anyway like it's being ignored. This isn't an issue that is specific to BC. It's not isolated within our province. So you would think we would see more hands on deck. It's a matter of time, I'm sure. But nonetheless, time is ticking and it would have been nice to see more people working on this issue sooner.